listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Today we're going to start a three-week mini-series. I was going to do it in four weeks, but I realized that on the 28th of this month, myself, my wife, and several others from the congregation are going to be in North Carolina at a marriage retreat. So I'm not going to be here, but Michael Shannon's going to be preaching that. Right, Michael? Okay, good. He's nodding, so that means I'm, I'm in good shape. So Michael's going to be preaching that day on the 28th, and so I thought, okay, I don't want to do three and miss and come back, so we're going to uh, cram four weeks into three, which I think will work out just fine. Um, We came in um, July of 2008, that's a decade ago, and it took me a little while to finally kind of get my bearings, like from going from preaching occasionally in the church that I was in when we were in seminary to knowing at that time I was preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was a lot going on. And that, that was a shock to me. How, how do you do this? So I was just trying to bring messages that seemed relevant and just picking and choosing. I finally recognized, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've spent five years learning how to take books of the Bible and just teach through them. And that's what you're normally used to me doing. In fact, The first book I ever preached through here at the church is the book of James. That's going to happen again this year. I figure after a decade, uh, that's okay. We can go back and do it again. But I promise you, I'm not going back to my outlines. I'm going to preach the same thing, although that would be okay if those outlines were, were, you know, accurate. That would be fine. I'm just going to go at it a little different this time, and I'm going to start over and I'm uh, going to have a little help this time. And if you want to know what that means, then make sure that you make Oasis Church your home and are here after the first of the year, and you'll see just exactly what that means by help. But I think it's going to be fun. So we're going to preach James again after a 10-year break. One of the things that I did in that first year, though, was had to think of how to communicate to the body why it is we do what we do and what is our purpose and what exactly it is that we're supposed to be about. And and honestly, full disclosure, uh, that was a hard thing to kind of understand. You know, you've had those times where you, you know what it is, you just don't really know how to say it and put it in a way that'll make sense to everybody else. Hopefully that's not what happens every week here, but we put together this idea of what is it that God has called us to do? And then how can we make sure that that's all we do? Because, you know, you can sometimes uh, get off track of what you're supposed to be doing. If any of you are a little bit ADD, you know how that kicks in. You sit down to do a task And then all of a sudden you think about something on the other side of the room that you need to do and you go and and then you find out that after a while you've spent the last four or five hours doing things that had no connection to what you originally needed and planned to do. Churches are like that. Chances are great you've been a part of a church like that. I've been a part. And and, and you know what? It's totally possible that Oasis Church is like that. We, We can get caught in doing things that aren't about what we're called to do. And so we have 
markers. We have, uh, we have reminders of things so that, so that we're constantly thinking about what's our purpose? Why are we here? What are we supposed to do? And we got to stop doing what's not a part of our purpose. So this is just a refresher for everyone. If you're new to Oasis Church, this will be a great opportunity for you to hear why we're here and decide whether or not that's someplace you want to be. If you're with us and you've been with us for a while, this is a great reminder to you about why you're here and have we gotten off of our normal path and and do we need to bring ourselves back on in these markers that remind us of what we're doing. So for the next three weeks, you won't find me expounding large passages of Scripture. This will be more in the topical realm. It is certainly not what I'm most comfortable with, but because of the topic we're dealing with, that's what it'll take. We'll be looking at several different Scriptures, looking at our call, and then how do we accomplish that in this world that we're living in? Today we want to talk about what is a disciple? What is a disciple? What is it? And we probably have a definition in our mind of what a disciple is. And probably there are as many definitions as there are people in the room. I want to ultimately give you a working definition that we will work with. But I want us to talk about and think about what discipleship is. To do that, let's first look at our mission. Let's be reminded of what our mission is. Uh, you may have seen on our website, you may have seen on some printed material, the mission statement of Oasis Church. The mission statement is designed to state clearly what we are doing and, and, and what it is that our purpose is for being here. The mission statement of Oasis Church says, we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Oasis Church exists. We are here for the sole purpose of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. You say, Kevin, where did you get that mission from? Is that a verse in the Bible? No, it is not a verse in the Bible. If you try to look that up, if you try to Google that statement, you'll not find it in the scripture. You say, well, Kevin, how did you come to fall and land on that? Well, we found that as a way of stating in today's vernacular, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we use this verse all of the time, and we should because it is what is our mission. It is the driving factor behind our purpose. Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus had been crucified. Jesus had been buried in the tomb and now Jesus has risen from the dead and 40 days after his resurrection, now Jesus is on the side of the mountain surrounded by many of his disciples and the followers that he had and he uh, ascended, he lifted up from that place up into heaven where he would be at the right hand of the Father until his promised return. And before Jesus ascended, he said these words, I'm going away. 
But here's what I want you to do while I'm gone, all right? I want you to go and make disciples. Well, where are we going to do that, Jesus? In all of the nations. Well, well, how are we going to get to all of the nations? You just go as far as you can go, and I'll help you figure out how to get a little farther. I want you to go to all the nations. I don't want you to hold back from any of the nations. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It wasn't saying I want you to line them up out in in front of the river and then bring them in, and they're looking at you saying, what are we doing? Just hush so I can baptize you. That's not what he said do. The idea of baptism, they understood that that was, a, that was a public display of a faith that had been confessed. And what was that faith in? The crucified and risen Messiah, who we know as Jesus from a very real city called Nazareth. And this man claimed to be the very son of God, which we believe he is. So when folks hear about this Messiah who had been crucified and risen, and they say, I believe in that. You mean my God is not real. This shrine that we're praying to is, is, is not actually a God. No, the true God came and put on flesh. He died for our sin and he rose from the dead and he's inviting folks to follow him. Well, I'll do that. Well, come over here. Let's baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And once they become a follower of Jesus, then we are to take the time to teach them all that I've commanded you. Everything that Jesus has said, everything that he said through the prophets and the, and the, the writers of the Old Testament, all throughout the scripture, we're to take God's word and we're to train them, teach them the things associated with followers of Jesus. That's our mission, to go and make disciples and train them to go and make disciples who will train others to go and make disciples. If you've been around here long enough, we've taken that mission statement that we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ based on his call to make disciples. And we filter that all the way down to two very simple words that rhyme with each other class. They are reach and teach. That's why we're here, to reach folks for Christ and to teach them how to live for Christ and reach others for Christ. And anything we do that gets outside of that, if we can't connect it to either reaching or teaching, we got to stop it because that's not pursuing our mission. So our mission is simple. It's the call of Christ. It is, it is making disciples. Maybe we could even say it even bigger. We're called to make disciple makers who make disciple makers who make disciple makers. But the question is, what is a disciple? If I were to ask you what a disciple is, chances are great. You would say, well, when Jesus was on the earth, and he was ministering for the three, three and a half years that he ministered on this earth. He invited these 12 guys to be kind of like a little traveling entourage. And one of them was, uh, was a snake in the grass and they had replaced. And I think Paul might have been on. So there were 12 or maybe 13. Maybe there were 14. But if you subtract the one, I, I don't know. But there were some guys that followed Jesus. And you know what? That would be a fair answer. Because that is what the New Testament calls those 12 that Jesus specifically called to be his followers. They called them disciples. 
But a disciple is not limited to those 12 dudes. In fact, disciple in the scripture means simply, it's a Greek word, the word is methetes, and it simply means a follower or a student of a teacher. One who customarily embraces the views and practice and practices of his or her teacher. We do this all of the time. We are disciples of all kinds of people. I'm thinking one of the ways that we are disciples in this world is we are disciples of fashion. We see in magazines, we see on television the way folks are dressed, the way they put colors together, and we'll say things like, oh, that's cute. Not you dudes, you would never say that. You would never say cute, but the lady said, oh, that's cute. I want to do that. And you guys, you don't say anything because you're not about to say the word cute. But you like the way that dude looks in that, and you think, I'm going to try that out. And so you do. We disciple, we're disciples of fashion leaders. You know, we're disciples of political leaders, are we not? Not only do we say, hey, I like them. What we'll do is we'll say, I like them and what they think is what I think. You've watched the late night talk show guys, you know, the late night comedian guys, and and they'll go out on the street and they'll, they'll give a state, they'll find a group of folks that clearly have the look of one political party. And then they'll take a statement from the opposing political party and they'll attach it to one of their own folks' names. And they'll say, so, so-and-so is a senator or maybe it's the president or whoever. So-and-so seems to think and has stated, dot, 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 and you're watching and you're listening and you're like, there is no way a Republican is saying that. There is no way a Democrat is saying that. But these folks are on the street and they attach it to a name. They go, do you feel that way? And those people are like, oh, yes, absolutely. I absolutely feel that way. And you're watching going, no, really? Because that's totally the opposite of what I know you stand for because we become disciples And we just blindly embrace whatever anybody thinks and we make it our own. Sometimes that's a good thing. A lot of times that's a bad thing. A disciple is a committed learner who has submitted to his teacher. The dictionary, the the Greek dictionary that that I follow was taught to use. Uh, It defines a disciple as one who engages in learning through instruction of another. So it almost sounds like a classroom type of thing. A disciple who comes and intentionally sits down to learn from this person who has something they want to learn. Spirios Zodiades was a, a, a Greek man who's a biblical scholar. He's been dead for several years. He defines a disciple as an adherent who accepts instruction given to him, and get this, and makes it his or her rule of conduct. So this disciple comes in and sits down and listens, and whatever he or she is told, then they internalize that and make that their own rule of conduct. If they said it, 
I'm going to do it. And, and we see that a lot in the cults, do we not? These cults, they go to these, these compounds and whatever this, these uh, charismatic leaders will say and they draw people in and they just make it there. So we have the concept that even is defined here. A.W. Tozer, some of you know of him, he defined it in his writing as being Jesus' follower carrying on, I'm sorry, going where he leads and doing whatever he commands. Going wherever Jesus leads and doing whatever he commands, no matter the cost. So for Tozer, he's taking this idea of a disciple and he's saying and highlighting the fact that whatever the leader says, the disciple does, no matter what it costs them. We're watching uh, the documentary on the, the Jim Jones tragedy that happened. I think it was 30 years ago this year that that happened. Well, what did those folks do down in, in Central or South America? What, what did they, they do? Jim Jones says, we, we, we got to be gone when these folks show up or, or they're going to treat us. So here, drink this Kool-Aid laced with poison. And that's where we get that idea of, well, I drank the Kool-Aid. It's really a very uh, disrespectful thing that we say, but that's where it came from because those folks knew that it was full of poison and because he said do it, it didn't matter the cost, down it went. So we get the idea of discipleship. We just kind of thinking about it on the outskirts of life. We kind of see it as a little bit bizarre. Francis Chan, one of my favorite writers, he said that a disciple imitates Jesus. A disciple carries on his ministry and a disciple becomes like Jesus in the process. I follow him, I carry on his ministry and along the way I just become more like him. Lifeway, the literature, we were, we were in that conference room yesterday 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. I've got about four more student books. If anybody would like to be a part of a 13-week discipleship curriculum, basically learning some basic truths so that you can turn around and use that same curriculum to train someone else. I want you all to go through it, but if you've got that time, 8.30 to 9.30, and you remind me after service, say, I'd like to be a part of that. It's still time to get on. But Lifeway, even in the lesson we read yesterday, said that a follower of Jesus... Uh, a disciple is a follower of Jesus who does what Jesus did, the way he did it, loving the people he loved, serving the people he served, and doing the things he did, striving to replicate his character, ways, and mission. A disciple. So in 2018, Oasis Church is going to define a disciple as this. A disciple is a follower of Jesus striving to imitate and obey him. And the reason I said Oasis Church 2018 is because what well, next year we may want to find it differently, but right now that's just kind of where I'm landing. A disciple is a follower of Jesus who is striving to imitate and obey him. That's what a disciple is. I love what, and again, he's one of my favorite writers. I love what Francis Chan said in a video that I, I was watching. As he was talking about discipleship, as he was talking about following Jesus, 
If you know anything about Francis Chan, he's got enormous fingers, so when he throws his hand, they're just like wings. But anyway, he uses his hands a lot, and he was like, he's like, so I'm just imagining that Jesus never said in one of his sermons, listen, if you'll all just accept that I'm Messiah, then you can go on about living your life, and we're good. If, if you'll just, if you'll just accept that who I am, who I say I am, I am, and, and that's what you believe, then look, I won't bother you again. You just need to believe and you can be a part of my family and go about your life as you will. That's not at all what we see in the New Testament, is it? In fact, what we see is Jesus living kind of a mild-mannered, if you will, uh, ministry, doing some phenomenal things, and then inviting folks to follow him. And, and it's not like, look, just, did you see what I did? Yeah, well, that's because I'm Messiah. Do you believe that? Sure, awesome, you're in. I'll see you when I get back in glory. We don't see Jesus doing that. We see him inviting folks to follow him no matter the cost, to embrace his ways as their ways. Every disciple of Jesus is a believer, but not every believer is a disciple. Let that sink in, okay? I don't don't want to try to manipulate you into feeling like you're not a disciple. But I do want to say it clearly. Every disciple is a believer. Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 9, I'm sorry, chapter 4 and verse uh, 19, he said, follow me and I'll make you Fishers of men. There came a point in the life of those men, we'll actually mention this a little later on, where they had to drop what they were doing in order to follow him. And that required belief. Belief that what he was saying is true. If you're going to move from death to life as a human being, you, you realize that we're all born dead in our sin. There's no way out of it. We're a sinner by birth, nature. If we die on our own, we die sinners. But we can be born and adopted into the family of God by his grace through faith in the crucified and risen son of God. We have to exercise believing faith. We have to decide that what the scripture says about Jesus is true. He's the savior and he's my savior and I want him for me. We have to embrace him. We have to receive him. Every disciple becomes a disciple by faith, believing. But unfortunately, we live in a time where not every believer is a disciple. Not every believer is a follower, if you will, of Jesus. They have heard, they've believed, and they've gone on about their life. We've gone on about our own pursuits. 
they're not, hey, disciple Kevin, are you saying they're not saved? It's not for me to say. Because no man looks on the heart, only God knows the heart. Well, then why aren't they disciples? Well, some of them are abandoned at birth. Some of these believers are just abandoned. Unfortunately, some of them are abandoned by the church who was given the call to make disciples. And what they've done is made a convert. They've, they've preached a message and then they've invited anyone who wants to say, I believe, to raise their hand. And they've counted them, 13, 14, 15. They put their hands down. And they've been very proud to say we had 15 folks accept Jesus Christ as their Savior today. And everybody cheers and everybody shouts. But then they do nothing to train them. Some believers are not disciples because they just never had anyone to teach them. And you know what? Unfortunately, I think we've all probably been guilty of being a part of that very thing. I just don't want us to keep being guilty you see we've got to make disciples not converts making converts that's not what jesus did jesus invited them to follow me go where i go do what i do so if we're called to make disciples what is a disciple it's not a convert a disciple is a follower of jesus some unfortunately abandoned discipleship themselves they heard a word they were intrigued by the word they responded to the word but like jesus told the parable of the seed that was sown you know some of that seed landed on rocky soil it came up for a little while but once the cares of this life and and the the lack of rooting system what did it do it just withered away so they made, a, they made a decision, if you will, in the moment, maybe fueled by emotion, and I'm a believer, but that plant never took root and dwindled away. Here's where it just really gets a little bit frightening because we talk to folks and, and we say, you know, hey, just pray for this family member or that family member. And, and they're just, they have no connection whatsoever to the things of God visibly. And, and you say, well, well, are they, are they a, a follower of Jesus? And, and you hear a parent say, oh yeah, I remember when they were in kindergarten at vacation Bible school, they came forward. So I know they're a Christian. That, I mean, sometimes that statement sends a chill up my back because the last thing I want to do is go, oh, ma'am. I mean, there's a lot of folks that have said a lot of things. I mean, I can think of one of the, one of the disciples that walked with Jesus that everybody would have thought he was the lead man who ended up betraying Christ. Oh. Some people hear and they make a profession but aren't really about making a follow. Uh, let me ask you this. What should we be striving to do? Make converts or make followers of Jesus? That's what we are striving to do. Some things to consider. 
Discipleship always involves a total shift in loyalty. Discipleship always involves a total shift in loyalty. Listen to what Jesus had to say. Luke 14, verses 25 through 33. This is a... This will stab you. You've read this before. But if you're reading this for the first time, this will stab you in the heart because you're like, wait a minute. Now, great crowds accompanied him. Him is Jesus. Why why do you think great crowds accompanied him? I'm going to tell you, because he was taking little amounts of bread and he was making bunches of bread. He was taking little amounts of fish and making bunches of fish. And he was doing all kinds. He was healing folks and he was raising folks from the dead. And I'm just telling you, Everybody wanted to get a glimpse of what this guy from Nazareth is doing because who knows who this guy really is. So there were large crowds accompanying him, and he turned to them and said to them, verse 26, Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, He cannot be my what, class? Disciple. What? Wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to be people of love. I thought we were supposed to be people of compassion. Now, Jesus, you're talking about hate. We've got to hate. Listen, the crowd was looking to get something from Jesus. They had no desire whatsoever for Jesus to tell them what they were to do and how they were to live. They were not interested in that. They were interested in what he could do for their own personal benefit. And Jesus said, look, if you're following me and you've not given up everything you have in your life, then you can't be my disciple. You know why? Because that other thing has your loyalty. You're only following me until that one or that thing needs your attention. And when they do, you will abandon me in order to follow them. And if you follow me instead of following them, you know what they're going to say about you? You hate me. You don't love me. And will that be the truth? Of course not. Because I love you. I love all of you. But as Peter says, he has the words of life. And and I got to follow him because the only hope I have is in him. So he says, if you're not willing to radically shift your loyalties from everything else to me, you can't be my disciple. Is, is he saying you can't be a Christian? I'll let you wrestle. How do we become a Christian? By faith alone, in Christ alone. But what has he invited us to do? Follow me. He said, you can't follow me if, if you're Locked in on that. Whoever does not bear his cross, verse number 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Some of us novice builders know, well, I do because I got half a deck built or whatever that is. Somebody who's going to do a project right, they know what it's going to cost and they don't get halfway into it before they recognize they really can't afford to do this. Otherwise, verse 29, when he has laid a foundation, is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. The biggest thing that that tells us, Christians, is that we had better not be communicating a gospel of believe and you're good. That's all he wants. That is not what he's saying. He's saying, I want to give you life and I want you to follow me. That's the disciples I'm looking for. Question is, how many disciples do we have in the room? If your heart burns within you right now, thinking, man, I'm a believer in Christ. I'm not following him. Chances are great. That's that life support disciple in you that's crying out that God says, I'd love for you to follow me. Discipleship involves a shift in loyalty. I I wrote down here, it's kind of like a marriage, not at all like a social media follow. You know, when you marry someone, there's that expectation that you're not going to be having any relationships with anybody other than the one that you committed yourself to, right? That's like a given, right? That's specifically stated and it's expected. Well, that's what Jesus wants for his followers. It's for their commitment to be to him. But we get the idea of following social media. Yeah, I'm following so-and-so. Yeah, that's... I'm just interested in what they have to say, not patterning my life after them. It involves a shift of loyalty. Discipleship will result in fruit. There are some things that will be true about your life because you are a disciple, someone who is following Jesus and striving to imitate and obey him. John 15, 8 says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Fruit is not about what you can go out and do for God and then back up and say, look what I've done. That's Cain. Cain did what he could do for God and God didn't like that and that made Cain mad. Fruit is not about what you can do for God. Fruit, in this passage in John 15, Jesus is talking about when a branch is connected to the vine, All the branch does is hang there. And because it is vitally connected to the vine, it gets its life from the vine. It gets its nutrients from the vine. It gets everything it gets from the vine. You know what just kind of happens? Fruit appears on the branch. 
And the branch is not standing over against the vine going, look what I did. Look at all this fruit I produced for the vine. Vine going, no, that fruit came from me. I just use you as a place to display it. Jesus says, you prove to be my disciples, not by how much you do for me, but how much of me comes out of you because of your connection to me. So discipleship involves a shift in loyalty. Discipleship will result in fruit, not from your labor, from your connection to the vine. What is that fruit? It's the life of Jesus coming out of you. Where because you're walking with him, you're living with him, you're following him, where somebody would have said something to you and you pop off with something that would absolutely dress them down, you find yourself smiling and going, well, you know what? God loves you. And you back away and you go, why did I just say that? That that wasn't in my repertoire at all. No, it's the life of Christ being pushed out in you. Where somebody says, hey, I want you to do this. And it doesn't make a bit of sense to you why they're asking you to do this, but they're an authority in your life. And you go, well, okay, bless God, I'm going to do that. And why am I doing, why aren't I in there bucking this? I'm going to tell you why, because the life of Christ is being pushed out in you and you're just falling in the suit, representing him. If you're my disciple, you're following me, you're connected. He's going to produce fruit in your life. Discipleship also will result in, uh, in, in, well, I already said that, in fruit. Luke 6, 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained by who? The teacher. Will be like his teacher. When you're fully trained, you'll be like the teacher. Any of you who've ever taught music lessons, you know that the reason you're teaching them music lessons is because they don't know how to play the instruments. But how many of you just live for watching them come along and what they're playing, however they're doing? And ultimately, what do you want? You would be so thrilled if one day the student could play like the master. You go, what, what better compliment is there? than for me to have taken what I have and have imparted it to you and now you too can master that thing. Wasn't that what God's doing in us? He's given us Christ. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit and he's creating or he's attempting to create in us the life of Jesus through his work. And all we do is submit, follow as a disciple. Consider the example of Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew 9, 9 through 13. As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth. Matthew was a Jew collecting taxes for the Romans. Matthew was the worst of the worst because he was making a living on his own people's oppression. Jesus saw him sitting there, and he said to him, follow me. The first thing we get from this is, why would Jesus want such a traitor following him? Because Jesus saw not Matthew the traitor, but Matthew the disciple. Why would Jesus want you 
of all you've done and all you've been and said and how you've disappointed God and everybody else around you is because God has a way of seeing who you can be through him. He looks at you and says, oh yeah, you've made a mess of your life. No doubt about it, but you have no idea what I can do in you. So you know what Jesus says to us? Follow me. And what's astounding And he rose. Matthew, making good money as a tax collector, had his life and his plan all laid out. And you know what he did? Sounds like a plan to me. Left it alone and began to follow you. Change in loyalty. Left it all behind. Probably not going to be in very good water with his Roman boss when he finds out he has quit his job. But he dropped what he had he followed him think about the examples of peter andrew james and john the businessmen matthew 4 18 to 22 while walking by the sea of galilee jesus saw two brothers simon who is called peter and andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and he jesus said to them follow me and i'll make you fishers of men immediately they left their nets and followed him in the family business, looking to take over once dad retires. And they said, dad, we got to follow him. And they left it all and follow him. Not only that, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, the competition, Peter and Andrew and his boys fishing over here. And James and John, the competition fishermen sitting over here. Hey, Peter and Andrew just quit. It's all ours, folks. We got this place cleaned up now, Capernaum. We own it for the fish trade. Going by, he saw, I don't know that they were competition. I'm just saying it. Anyway, going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and John, in the boat with dad, mending their nets. And he called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. They abandoned, and they followed Did God produce fruit in Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, Nathaniel, Bartholomew? Did he? Of course he did. Has has Jesus produced fruit in those that have believed the word that these first disciples told? Of course he has. Has Jesus produced fruit in folks in this body right here? Absolutely he has. Does Jesus want to produce fruit in you? He sure does. And you know what it takes? Being a disciple. Being a disciple. Putting him in the front, everybody else in the back. Now, having heard God's word today, it's on your card. Having heard God's word today, I believe that God would have me respond. Now, don't you just think about these are some suggested responses. You write yours down. Because what God said to you, that's what you do. Having heard his word about what it is to be a disciple, you respond to him. Here's some suggestions. Maybe how you want to respond is, I want to know about what it means, more about what it means to follow Jesus. 
I would like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus. What does that actually look like? I hear what you're saying, but I don't really have my mind wrapped around about like what it is, and I'd like to know more. You realize that God's never going to hold you back from knowing more about how to follow his son that he sent to us to be followed. If that's you, write that down on your card. And you know what? Write that down on the back of this one that you're going to turn in today. Because then what I can do is go, oh, look at there. Eugene wrote that down. He wants to know more about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And you know what I'm going to do? Make it a point to come and figure out a way for us to get together and just talk about it. No pressure. Here's a suggestion. Maybe having heard God's word today, you're saying, I believe, it, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I believe he was raised to life. And I'd really like to become a disciple today. I'd, I'd like to follow him. I'd like to, I'd like to believe and become a disciple. You know what that is? That's just faith alone in Christ alone. And if that's your desire, he will absolutely meet you. And you can be his follower as you follow the crowd out the door. You can have Jesus in your crosshairs as a follower for the rest of your life by faith believing. Maybe having heard God's word today, you say, I recognize, God, that I'm a believer, but I've never embraced my place as a disciple. And today, today, I want to take a step in that direction. I want, I want to begin following on the basis of my belief, I want to follow you. I don't know what all that's going to look like, but I want to take a step in that direction. Another great thing to write down and turn in if you want. Hey, Kevin, today I'm just wanting to take a step. Give us an opportunity to talk. Talk about what that step might look like. How we might be able to help you in that respect. Maybe you're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus and I want to be a disciple who's striving to imitate and obey him. If that's you, he'll meet you. If you want to strive to imitate him, he's already given you the power. If you want to strive to obey him, he will give you that ability. But you got to decide. And lastly, maybe you say, you know what, having heard God's word today, I, I want to be a bigger part of this church reaching and teaching for God's glory. I, 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 want, I want more of me to be involved in what we have been called to do. And if that's you, absolutely write that down on this thing to turn in because we need to have lunch because we need to get you involved. Because Maybe that's just been what you've been waiting on for you to become the disciple that God's called you to be. I don't know what the alert was on our telephones today. But I do know this, God has called us to be a disciple. And, and, and that is what we need to respond to first and foremost. Are we following? Do we want to follow? Will we follow? He's put that choice in, in, in our arena. And I hope we will do so. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you so much that your invitation to discipleship 
is open today. For those who have never trusted Jesus, I pray that they will recognize the salvation that's been made available by, by faith alone in Jesus through his death and resurrection. That they will become a disciple by belief today. Father, I pray for the one who is a believer and may have gotten abandoned at conversion, at birth. God, help them to hear your soft voice saying to them, you can get up right now and you can start following me. God, may they hear that and may they respond and take those steps. Yes, counting the cost and knowing the loyalties that have to be shifted, but recognizing that it's worth it. It's where victory is found. It's where fruit is produced, where joy occurs. Father, I pray for those that are disciples today that have never become disciple makers. Give them the courage to step into that opportunity so that we might be stronger as a church as disciple makers than we have ever been. You know our need. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts and use us for your glory. In the week to come, the days to come, as we wait on the return of Jesus, our Savior, our coming King. For it is in his name that we pray and all the ways his church said, amen.